come one, come all, to the good old hashtag racing family show. And we got the note here <laughs> from Graham Rahal saying, trying to join your damn face. So, Graham Rahal, good to see you, brother. Uh, Wheeler, uh, we should invite you to co-host here on the hashtag racing family show. Mr. Rahal, what's happening? What's in up? What are you doing? Tell me stories. Sitting in Des Moines, Iowa, the land of high V, baby. Huh? You, you drove all that way to do grocery shopping. You are so committed. I actually I mean, came from California, so that is even more impressive. Don't they have a, a service where they do deliveries now? That's uh, that's an impressive addition. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Graham got sure so, Graham got so uh, satisfied at the hey. Iowa race this week, this last year, with Hy-Vee's on-demand, on-site grocery shopping. You know what? He wanted I was, to go get more himself. I was pretty damn satisfied with that. And I hope what? I hope you were too, Wheeler. Well, I think I mean you and I saw each other out on the front stretch during one of the concerts, and like we just looked around for a minute, and uh, you know we've been we've been going to these racetracks at the same time together for hundred years, way more than way more than half our lives, and that <laughs> had to have been one of the coolest things I've seen, especially in regards to a turnaround. I remember previous six years old, probably. Yep. Mid Ohio, getting orange vinyl from your dad from the trailer to put on yep. top of my Hot Wheels cars. I remember your first go kart when you came in and asked my mom to make uh, name decals for you for your go kart because your dad wouldn't do it. Yeah, <laughs> yep, my first racing number was number nine. Not because yeah. I wanted to be number nine; it was because Michael Andretti was number six. So I couldn't be six, and they could they they told me I could only be six or nine. That was the only number that OVK would give me. So we had to go with nine because I couldn't be six. Marshall, here, here's a great one. Way back in the day, we used to do this cool summer tour. And, um, you know, Michigan, the infield parking at Michigan International was grass with, like, these parking driving lanes of gravel. And we'd get there, what, Graham, Tuesday, Wednesday of race week when we were kids? <laughs> I don't even remember. And so Graham and I just... took, the, we took the two hospitality golf carts to Ray Hall and made a track and blew them both up. I used to get, oh yeah, I got in a lot of trouble back in the day for for taking golf carts, a lot. That was probably the yeah. number one thing I was always in, in the doghouse with dad about was was the golf cart uh, stealing, but whatever. It worked out, didn't it? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> so far. <laughs> Y'all. So what are you guys doing? I was just walking home from dinner by myself. My wife says I'm a loser. But who the hell else am I going to hang out with in Des Moines? Everybody else says they're busy. So uh, we're doing our uh, our postseason, off season Wednesday, five p.m. Pacific, eight Eastern. Hashtag Racing Family Show. We tend to do these on Monday during the uh, the season itself, but we move these a little bit into the middle of the week here. But we're uh, you know we just talk about life, the universe, and whatever. Um, speaking about whatever. You went and bought some cool cars at auction here uh, from what you, you shared. Tell me about that, man, because I remember asking you. I, I need a loan. Well, you need if you need a loan. Uh, boy. Um, I remember asking you a couple. Marshall's got you oh, covered. Yeah, Don't dude. worry. Yeah. All that crazy race car reporter money, it's yours, dude. You can have it. Um, yeah. I remember asking you a couple years ago, like, hey, you're still young, but do you think you'll ever get to a point where you want to go back and buy some of the cool cars that you drove throughout your career? And at least back then, you're a little bit on the fence. I was just happy to see you're no longer on that fence. You're, you're starting to build a collection. Well, Tell me. 
Well, we're trying in Indy. We're going to try to do a little family, you know, racing museum. And, you know, and I, it's kind of part of this whole Zionsville project that we're doing, to be honest. And, you know, and I was, uh, I, I just really wanted to, uh, you know, to, to try to get those two cars. Now, a while back, I had called Bernie Haas about my St. Pete winner. And, uh, cause I, those cars have been sitting there since yeah. I raced there, which a lot of people didn't know that she, you know, Carl had still, uh, had kept all of those, but not only kept them, you know, they were obviously the championship winners, uh, and multi-race winners were always kept as runners. And so, um, you know, they, they were there and, uh, and, and I used to walk by them all the time when I go up to the shop. And so I did call Bernie say, hey, you know, will you sell me my car? And to be honest with you, and I, this is nothing, you know, I, I love Bernie Haas, but the price she told me, I was like, my Lord, like no way in hell. Like there's no way I'll ever be able to afford it. Well, then obviously I see them come up for, for auction and, uh, uh, you know, right away was pretty, pretty interested. I, I know my other Panos car is owned by Mike Lanigan and, uh, you know, but the 07 Panos was just about the best car I think you could ever have driven and uh and so i love i love that and when that car came up it's actually in the wrong color scheme the the color scheme it was sold at we just did one race which is 08 long beach that car really ran as metazone it's you know its whole existence yeah the, and, uh, uh, that white and light blue was really pretty yeah so you know to me that's that's what it will go back to uh what will be that that scheme and um or eventually will at least but uh, but yeah, I just went out and, and wanted to to, uh, to to do what I could to get them. Obviously, the St. Pete car went pretty inexpensively. Yeah, um, I was actually surprised at how much they they went for, considering the like Christian Swift and I think even one of Michael Swifts, you know, barely went for more than twenty five grand, which I get is still a lot of money. But I was, I mean, those were uh, the, those cars to me were beautiful, amazing. You know, kind of the P. Peak it, peak champ car, indie car, whatever you want to call it, and yet they barely went for any money. So for this, for this damn Delara uh, to go for for sixty or whatever the heck I paid for it was a little bit of a surprise. Now the Panos was was different. I, the Panos is have a very high interest from uh, from users um, currently, like in vintage racing. Yep. So I wasn't surprised that that car was a little more valuable. I think a lot of people love the. The user friendly. I mean, they, they were very reliable cars, very strong, durable. So I wasn't really surprised that that car had a little bit more of a market. But you know, those are two big cars for me in my time. Um, you know, clearly St. Pete '08 was a long, long time ago now, and '07 prior to that. Uh, but you know, if I look back, they're they're two two big kind of moments and times in my career that um, you know I really want to get back now. The other guy eyed, but I just couldn't. I couldn't do it. Was the O two Justin Wilson car was an interesting one. J Dub won Detroit in that car, but that was the car I used most of uh, most of O nine. And so uh, I had a lot of hours, a lot of a lot of laps in that car as well, and uh, which I didn't know it was the same car until uh, you know until the auction. To be honest with you, and so. Uh, that would have been a cool one to try to get as well, but beautiful stuff up there. It was kind of sad, frankly, to see it all 
go to auction and you know clearly some of the stuff i know zach spent spent a load there on the on the uh, nigel car as as was expected um you know but i i thought that actually a lot of that stuff went pretty quote unquote reasonably yeah for for its history um frankly so yeah it was cool to see it go though so you mentioned the cars being kept as runners I did look at a lot of the photos of the cars posted uh, on the auction site, whatever it was, a month ago. And, yeah, some looked like they were kept in better shape than others. Others, a lot of rust, a lot of parts missing, a lot of notes scribbled on things, whether it was a bracket that was cracked or, you know, some uh, older parts and pieces might have been swapped into some of those. Yeah. Do you have an idea of how close the two cars are that you your two cars are to actually being runners? Are you gonna uh, well, do a full resto, or what are you thinking? The the Panos has no engine or anything, so the Panos is is incomplete. Uh, the which you can actually get those Cosworths, I think, rel- relatively easy. I don't know what that cost is. I'm probably scared to ask. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> You know, the because I would think certainly the engine's probably worth more than the car, frankly. Um, a lot of the control boxes, the pie boxes, and things like that, though, are in them. I, I do know that. Nice. Um, hell, even a lot of them still have the suspension, the shocks, the Olins, or whatever that we used then back on them. Um, and in fact, the cars like Seb's cars, you know, uh, some of Michael's, Mario's, Nigel's, whatever, would have specific setups on them. So they were pretty much ready to go. Uh, And they were always kept in very good condition. I mean, when TZ was up there and Greg, there's a lot of guys that worked at Newman Haas that, uh, well, the guy who bid on my cars for me, because I didn't want to do it publicly, um, was Donnie Hubble, who was my chief mechanic. Oh, wow. Wow. So it was kind of fun to have Donnie, you know, do, do it. And then he picked the cars up and he's delivering them down to me i think next week or they'll come down to grp and indy um you know but uh but he knew you know there was a lot of history in those and then our boy uh old hamster he he know you know he's got the setup sheets and this very very detailed specifics of those cars so i was texting with him a lot um you know to to know exactly what races what ran with uh in and uh but yeah, Hampson has pretty much pretty much all of that data still, because um, you know when he left Newman Haas, that was when that when that kind of folded at that time. You know, he went on to Andretti first, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah he yeah. went to Andretti first um, with Inch. You know that was uh, that was kind of the end, and he kept, they he he had a lot of those records. So I'm sure there's more details they could come out about all of that, but. Uh, well, I'll go ahead and raise Good my times. hand. Yeah, I think I got a new career coming here. I got another career change, kind of changing back, but vintage open wheel mechanic engineer crew chief. I think that's where I'm headed. Uh, Dude. Our, our mutual pal, Pat Long, not so long ago, bought uh, 1991 Aeros Formula One car. Uh, originally, it was powered by a Porsche, which is why he bought it. Uh, say that's gotta be, yeah, yeah, it's got a different motor in it, but uh, he wants me to come down and help him kind of get that thing ready and running and go uh, go to the track and kind of set it up for him. So 
you let me know. Whatever you need. I don't care. I'll uh, do Magnaflux and whatever you need, man. Let's go play with old cool I, race cars. Honestly, I, you know, the 07 Panos still to me, which this is going to start a whole different conversation about, you know, the next next generation IndyCar. But the 07 Panos to me, um, it still speaks to me in so many different ways. You know, it was that car was so good to drive. Um, man, I had power which the next generation car will. Um, but it just did a lot of things really right. Uh, and it just still looks, it looks the part. It looks so good. And uh, I would love to get back. I remember a couple years ago, we were in NOLA uh, when we did the one-year race at New Orleans. And uh, I believe it was Seb drove because KV yep. at the time uh, or Vassar still had a couple cars. And they ran, I want to say the day after or the, during our test or something, they did a few laps or something. And, you know, to see them get out and have the world's biggest smile still on their face about that car. Um, you know, it's it was a different era and I, all of that sort of thing. I, I get it. But those cars were so badass and uh, just, just a lot of fun to drive. And, you know, it's a growing deal. I mean, where GRP is in Brownsburg now, I mean, obviously we've got Al Jr.'s uh, – uh, you know, do, doing his race team and stuff there, but the vintage indie guys are right behind us in our shot, and there's a lot of cool stuff. I mean, the, the vintage indie racing is really picking up, which is which is good to see. Yeah, that's. I probably have a column I'm overdoing writing, and that is, I get to a decent number of vintage racing events each year. Love vintage racing, have forever, and the one big thing that's missing at almost all of them is some form of historic IndyCar class. And I can imagine some reasons why some of the more modern cars are wickedly fast. And you probably don't want, you know, your average accountant or whatever trying to get speed out of those things. But we definitely need to start getting cars like yours and uh, and more out to the average vintage racing event. We should also, while we're here, uh, say hi to some friends, Katie Kyle, of course, our pal Cassie Johnston. Let's say congratulations to uh, James Davison, who's listening in. Just saw some photos. Uh, pal, who's uh, a new father, right? So congratulations to you and your fine lady. Beautiful, beautiful uh, baby uh, y'all just had. And, uh, yeah, a bunch of other awesome folks. Sarah Morrill, Frishi, great to see you. Jacob Abel. Um, one of the world's greatest ginger uh, indie lights drivers, and yes, huh. I said indie lights. Uh, hey Graham, are you going to call it indie next or indie NXT or just not just indie lights and just stick with it? It'll t- it'll come with time. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I'm going to call them the twos. I, the I, juniors. It's still, it's still forming Atlantic to me. This indie light stuff was, <laughs> you know, that was the weaker version of forming Atlantic in my opinion, but. Uh, uh you know it's 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 I, I joke when i said it but it was so you know that was like the first split in racing was always you had two two forms of junior you know formulas coming up obviously i went the atlantic route with hinch and matos and robbie pecorari was awesome and i mean the list kind of goes on and on and on uh with um now wiki wasn't in in uh in atlantic um 
But uh, JR was there, right? Colin Braun might have done a little bit. There was a ton of guys that year. But anyway, um, who knows where next came from. But, you know, you've got to always – you've got to move the needle, and I get it. Yeah, I, the one thing I will say about it is it's good to see the car count start to climb. I don't know how Malukas's dad's going to run about 40 kids. Uh, <laughs> but um, It's the Malukas Orphanage it, Racing Team. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it's good to see that at least growing. And I, I – I've been pushing dad and, and our team to try to look at it because, you know, it is, it, it is such an advantage, you know, for, for Andretti and some of these teams. I mean, they, they, the amount of extra test days that they get out of it is, I can assure you it's a massive advantage. Um, and so it's, it's something that we, we do need to look at, but hey, Graham, it's competitive. You, Graham, you've mentioned, you mentioned GRP a couple of times. You mentioned the Zinesville project. Um, what started is like a, Hey, I'm going to do this shop with a buddy and my brother in Brownsburg and see what happens has grown to you're out of space. I see your logo on like 14 different doors in Brownsburg oh. now. Um, but it also, then it allowed you to kind of step up and say, Oh, I'm, I'm going to look into this Ducati thing. Okay. I think I'm just going to have a couple bikes to now we have shipments of bikes by the dozen to a brand new facility and just massive kind of, facility for you to have all of your projects also Ray Letterman Lanigan you know I, I think you guys are moved in or close to it right so I mean just a yeah, big close. effort you guys have made yeah I mean the, the race shop's amazing um the race shop is ridiculous I I um it'll be really nice for us to have IMSA to have the IndyCar program some other yeah, some other racing formulas programs that we're working on and things like that it'll be nice to have everything in one roof you know we've been split for so long um and it's hard to, to really maximize your kind of all the resources and stuff that you have when you're doing that so we're really really excited about that um definitely the nicest shop for sure uh, and, and that I've that I've been to. Um, now we've got to take that and go and and go. You know, turn it into results on the track, right? I mean, you know, looking good is is part of the deal, but uh, but we got to go fast and and improve in that regard. But you know, on the GRP side, Ducati, the paint protection, all the other stuff that we have. You know, I mean, that's just something that. Yes, it, it started on a whim. Um. You know, I've always been involved in that stuff. I've always really enjoyed, you know, those sorts of things. Uh, but I never, you, you know, you, you know, you never know where these things may go or, or not. I mean, you know, I was looking at. We have a, a group chat uh, that we that's called Slack that we use, and um, you know, today I was looking at Slack, and you know, we're up to sixty employees, and I never thought we would get there. I never thought that it would be that it would become that, um, you know, but we've been, we've been super fortunate. Obviously now we've got the Ducati dealership in Cleveland, Ohio as well. Um, we've got some other stuff on the horizon in Indy, potentially other motorcycle brands in Indy. Um, you know, it's just a lot of stuff happening, but I, I think it's, you know, for me, and I've tried to press this upon other young drivers and stuff too, is just that, you really got to think outside the box. I mean, racing, you know, I, I was, I was fortunate number one to have my dad who, who always was so successful in taking what, what kind of he garnered in racing and create something that's far beyond that outside of racing. 
where racing becomes, you know, where he is today, racing becomes a passion. You're in it because you, you want to be in it, not in it because you have to be in it. You do, you do not want to be in racing because you have to be in racing, if that makes sense, because it's expensive. Um, it's not a good way to make money uh, other than being, there's only a couple people in racing to make money, at least the way we do it. And that's the drivers and any individual that works on the team. You know, the owners, it's, that's, that's not a money-making exercise. Um, and so I took that knowledge, you know, just to simply try to, you know, to, uh, uh, to start some businesses and start some things outside of it. Um, and I've been fortunate, you know, to, to be able to, to, to do that. I've also taken that and, you know, I think back to, to friends and, and people that we've lost in the sport. And sadly, I've been around too many, I feel like. Um, but the thing that you learn from that is really truly how, how, how quick it can come and go. I mean, it's here one minute, it's gone the next, that is what it is. Um, and it's sad, but you need to be prepared. Uh, and hopefully it doesn't happen, but in case that it does, you have to be prepared for when, when the, when the music stops, uh, that's any athlete, that's anybody in this sort of business. And, uh, I'm just lucky that right now, at least, it's it's something I've really enjoyed. Now, having said all of that, the Zionsville thing could could be the end of me, and you know, could could lead me to bankruptcy in about uh, four years. So, um, we'll see how it goes. But fingers crossed, everything will keep going down the right path. Well, avid hashtag racing family follower and contributor Ryan Caminetti, who's in the chat right now, GRP. I don't even know how the connection happened. I know that he drives from New York to a lot of IndyCar races. He had some issues with he couldn't get tires, couldn't find tires. Somehow the story made it to you or GRP, and they said, be here on, you know, be here tomorrow morning. He drove through the night with his family from um, New York. You guys had the product, put him on his car, and he was able well, to get the gateway. Yeah, I mean, and I think awesome. I just saw, yeah, no, I, I think I saw Cassie, you know, tweeted or, or, or rep- I, you know, retweeted or something. Um, you know, Ryan's interest in going to gateway. And, uh, and, and I just saw that he had issues with tires and, you know, obviously that's appealing number one, cause he drives a civic type R, which is badass. Um, and I, I that's about as much fun as you can have with your pants on, at least in, in my mind, uh, and driving a civic type R. And, uh, I, um, you know, I, I saw that and, you know, Indies uh, was a direct shot in between where he was and, and, and St. Louis. And there's nothing, I didn't expect anything of this. This isn't about us. I, I, I respect so much people like Ryan who commit so much time to come to our races. And those are the people that we need to take care of. You know, obviously we're always out there looking for new fans and, and, and trying to build our, our brand. But you can never, you know, you can't look past those who have helped make the sport what it is right now and those who are truly invested and passionate about it. And that's, I called Lisa. Uh, Rachel and Rod and everybody at Firestone said, Hey, you know, what can we do? And a day later, you know, we had, we had tires there and ready to go. So it, it's not just about us, you know, it was a team effort to make it happen. And Ryan came on down and he came over to, to, uh, to gateway and gateways a race. I'm really passionate about. I mean, Curtis Francois, there's no better person in racing. And, you know, we talk all the time. I'm here in Iowa, as I said, with high V, right. But, you know, we need, we need promoters that do it right. 
that put all the effort in and then we need to really support and back those sorts of promoters. And that's who Curtis is. And so when I saw Ryan wanted to go to gateway, you know, for me, it was a no brainer. We got to make that. We got to figure out how to make this happen. And, uh, we were, we were able to do so, which is cool. Uh, I'm sure probably by now he's probably driven another 20,000 miles on those Firestones. So who knows if they're still around or not, but, uh, um, I mean, it's a bigger picture thing, man. We got to get people to go. And then honestly, when I started my racing career, um, that's, I, I road trip to almost every single race by, by myself with my girlfriend, this isn't champ car, you know, whatever it may have been. And I love that, man. So when I see people do that, I mean, all the time with Courtney, I'm always like, yeah, hey, let's road trip. Now it's a little harder. You got two dogs, two kids, baby's crying. You know, that's not a whole lot of fun. So don't do it so much. Keep them on the road and keep them going. Well, you talked right there, too, about your road trips and, and doing it with kids. So we're going to welcome James Davidson in to unmute his mic. Because, James, congratulations. You're a new father. And you, I have a feeling, are learning tons about everything that Graham's been through. <laughs> Yeah, incredible. First of all, what this is a surprise to me to be on this right now. I was just lying on the floor doing some yoga and had my baby girl sleeping on my chest. And you find gentlemen were having a very relatable conversation about the golden days of IndyCar racing, all those uh, Newman hash chassis I grew up seeing at Surface Paradise. Yeah, setting yourself up for life after racing. Um, yeah, it's uh, been an incredible last two weeks for me or 10 days with the birth of my baby daughter and just a fantastic addition to life that, uh, yeah, you just can't quite imagine until it happens. When we saw each other last, James, what, in August, I think, at the uh, Monterey Rolex Reunion Vintage event, on that theme of looking at what's next in life, it was interesting some of what you were sharing and, and it aligns very much with Graham and obviously Graham's not retiring anytime soon, but you do get into your 10th year, 15th year, however many years of being a top line driver. And there is inevitably that's what, what is next, right? I probably don't want to be selling my services as a driver when I'm 55 years old or 60 to try and pay the bills. So why not take an earlier start, an earlier look at what else I might do? Tell us a little bit about that, brother, because you are you're not at that crossroads today, but for the conversation we had a few months ago, you were saying, you know, it's not too far away. So maybe it's time to start planning and plotting how to evolve yourself uh, in your career. Yeah. Well, obviously, you know, I haven't had a career like Graham has, but we grew up in the junior formulas and raced against each other in Atlantics in 2006. And actually, I remember where we first met was at Cleveland on July 4th weekend in 2004 when Graham and Hinch were racing Formula BMW as a support race to Champ Car. And um, my dad and I came over to check out the junior formula. So, yeah, way back then, 18 years ago. But, um, yeah, look, as I think Graham said, racing is extremely expensive. It's, it's tough. It's a challenge for 
it's a struggle for the vast majority of people that are in it. You know, we're not driving for the top three teams and making millions of dollars. And you've got to be as much of a businessman these days as a racing driver to network and put your deals together. And yeah, it really, I've kind of found out of the last 15 years that unless you can do a full season to establish yourself and properly prove yourself and unleash your full potential to show what you can do week in week out year in year out it's very difficult to get traction to properly move forward so look I'm grateful for what I've had so far I never would have thought that I could have done six Indy 500s driven 30 NASCAR cup races done a few seasons of IMSA so on and so forth but yeah kind of COVID changed a lot of people's lives and it certainly got tougher to keep the networking going to yeah keep all the momentum and the sponsors and personal supporters there and and I was racing a very unexpected opportunity running in the NASCAR Cup series which was incredible to do all those amazing races Southern 500 Talladega Martinsville Bristol yeah all of them but in the end, you just have to have the funding to get yourself forward and in better equipment. So this year has very much been a readjustment in my life where I also didn't see the point in continuing to run around in the underfunded situation in the Cup Series. Um, at the same time, the Bird family that have been very loyal supporters to me for the last four years David Bird is now supporting his son, Nathan, who you will likely see in the Indy 500 in the next couple of years. And so, yeah, those two factors together, I just kind of stepped back from it. And if I was going to go racing, I, I wanted to do it right. You know, I didn't want to be breaking down in the first 10 laps of a cup race or my brakes catching on fire like they did in the 2020 Indy 500 on lap two. I wanted to do it properly. So, yeah, I've gone kind of from doing 20 cup races to one Xfinity race with Joe Gibbs and doing some other stuff that I never thought I would do, kind of bucket list, racing at Monaco in the historic F1 cars and doing a few F1 support races uh, in Melbourne and recently in Austin, the Goodwood Revival. And, yeah, putting time into kind of – multi-family commercial or yeah not commercial but yeah rental properties here in Miami where I live and it's something I never thought I'd get myself into but just creating a bit more stability because yeah I only have so many more years left I'm 36 now and I'm certainly closer to the end than the beginning and you know, I look at a 21-year-old now and, yeah, they're 15 years younger than me. They look that much younger and a lot of them are extremely talented now. I've found it it's got it, gotten even tougher to be more competitive or as competitive doing these one-off races as it was five years ago or 10 years ago. The next generation have really been able to develop themselves more rapidly with all the eye racing I see. And, um, yeah, it's, it's just, it's getting tough, but I'm still doing it, but yeah, kind of setting myself up on the side. I'd even say my beloved co-host here 
36 years old are you now, Wheeler? That's uh, right. Uh, in 86, represent. Yeah. Is in a similar phase, too. I mean, there there's nothing to report yet. But, uh... I'm I'm still unemployed. I'm still waiting on Graham to call me to be his. Yes, uh, yes. He's a. He, you're going to be his undercoating specialist for sure. But <laughs> even uh, <laughs> even you, Wheeler. I mean, you, you. We all know you. We all love you. The things you've done in the sport uh, that are we know you for. You know, spotting being the one that maybe the highest profile. Those are all amazing things. But you also, coincidentally, have had a somewhat recent within the past year reckoning with yourself saying you know what i i could keep doing this for a really long time or maybe there are other things in the sport that i'm interested in doing so we're not going to announce those right now but maybe you can share some insights there too i it happened to me when i was like 31 32 whatever it was i realized i'd spent half my life working in racing was in atlantic's indy lights indycar for half my life Felt like I got all that I needed out of it and said, it's time for me to find something different. And I've been on that path. Same thing for you, brother. Tell me about the, this this reckoning. What is it about us racing and getting into your 30s where you start saying, hmm, uh, maybe I need a little bit of a reboot here? Yeah, I mean, you know, look, the spotting stuff's always been great. You know, I think I've done a pretty damn good job of it. We've got to do some cool things. I worked really hard for a long time to get in a position where I was the last two years, right? Being at McLaren, especially this year with Pato and having a chance. There's no greater feeling than showing up every weekend and saying, man, we could win here. Um, you got to wear $90 belts for your shorts, too. <laughs> yeah, so that's yes, like you got, a big deal. Exactly. I own, I own more Australian leather or Austrian leather than I would have ever imagined. But, um, you know, it, it comes – I, I mean, kind of like what James is saying. I know what Graham has done, you know. I don't know, things just kind of started to click differently, right? And you see the people you've met, the networks you've built, the opportunities you've made that, you know, if you look back on it, you, you realize the misses that you've had, right? And so really spent a lot a lot of this year just kind of putting the pieces together, you know, um, and just making a lot of changes. And, yeah, there's a lot of different things on the horizon, you know, hopefully that, you know, that we're ready to talk about soon because I'm tired of not talking about it. But, um Animal husbandry. I'll I'll kind of give folks the genre. Yeah, of course, of course. Um, but I, I think that I, th I kind of think the trend we're on here with this topic is, you know, you just you get to a point where, you know, you can keep doing the same thing over and over and over again, whether you enjoy it or you don't, whether you're, you consider it successful or not, or how you how you consider success to be valued, but. You know, I feel like at some point you've got to you've got to change direction. You got to keep things moving, and I think that that's the that's the key to happiness, right? It's some people can go plow a field their entire life and they love every minute of it, and they'll never know what else they could have done. And for those people, that's great. But for people like us that commit to being on the road two hundred plus days a year, the amount of times that I guarantee it, the four of us with a microphone next to our name right now have slept in the shittiest motels and driven through the night to make it to the next one. Um, that's a lifestyle, man, that not a lot of people can do. And, you know, I, I think that if you're not always looking for what's next and looking for the best opportunity, then you're honestly not going to succeed when, when the dust settles. So that's kind of where I've been at. Um, one thing I know nothing about is, is, is the commonality right now between both James and Graham. 
So, James, do you have any questions for Graham on this whole fatherhood thing? Or, Graham, do you have any advice for James? <laughs> um, I'll go sleep. I'm learning, sleep I'm learning when on the you fly, can. But I'll listen to Graham. I'll listen to Graham. Just sleep. Try the best <laughs> you can. Just yeah. sleep. And get, and get good at changing diapers because you're going to do a lot of them. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm seeing that firsthand. Certainly having a good partner helps. I've, I've got a fantastic partner. I always knew she was going to be a great mother. And, um, yeah, that's we're working very well as a team. So I think that's key as well, I, I would assume. Would you agree? Hell yeah, man. It's, uh, it's a lot. It's a lot, particularly, you know, being on the road and, and going through all of that. Um, you know, it's a, it's a big time adjustment too. you know, you go from everybody listening that has, has kids knows this, but you go from, you know, so much of life being self-centric things that you want to do places you want to go, things you want to see to suddenly very little of it truthfully is about you. Um, and it, you know, almost everything is about, is about the the kids in my case, two girls and yeah. Uh, and, and, and what they want to do. But, uh, but I was texting with Pat McAfee today and, you know, he's, he, they just announced, say they're going to have a baby. And I was telling him the same, you know, there's no, there's no greater happiness, a source of happiness in life, uh, than, than, than kids. And, you know, for me, uh, it's having a little girl, which you do too. Um, that's it, man. There's nothing, there's nothing better than her, uh, Harlan. Obviously I've got my second Tinley just came along, but, uh, Harlan now she's what two just turned two two in a little bit total character complete character and when you hit that age it suddenly accelerates the first little while I don't think any parent can admit like the first like six months are just they just kind of suck to be honest it's <laughs> you don't sleep you, you just <laughs> there's not a whole lot going on you're just changing diapers all the time they cry a lot things like yeah. that and then all of a sudden it just like a different ball game. Um, it's so much fun. Yeah, copy that, man. I'm um, I'm very ready for it. I'm excited for it, and uh, yeah, on on the whole parenting thing, I I remember when when I met your dad in '98 at Surface Paradise, and your dad and my dad would share stories just a little bit about fatherhood, and I've seen that picture of you dressed in a suit. I'm not sure how old you are <laughs> sitting with your dad at a sponsor uh, dinner. Yeah. And that, and that's what my dad would do with me as well. He brought me into a meeting with Bill France Jr. in ni- in like 1999 at Daytona Beach once. Just stuff like that. There was a lot of similarities in in parenting that I saw your f- father did that my dad did also. It, uh, it, it, you know, it, it makes you grow up in a hurry. I think that's the biggest thing. You know, you, when you're exposed to things like that, it's, I tell my wife all the time, you know, we don't, we just don't, don't change your life. You know, the kids got to adapt to you and, you know, your environment and, you know, make, make it work. I mean, Harlan, you know, I remember taking her to United Reynolds dinner. She's like a year old. This is, yeah, this was last year. Yeah. And, uh, we were in San Francisco and it was getting late, like late, late. And, uh, she just put her head down on my lap and went right to sleep. And it took me back 
to all those moments of like, like you feel kind of like you're a bad parent, but at the same time, you know, it's because you're keeping them up so late, but at the same time, it's like, you know, you've got to, the, the, the kids kind of got to adjust to your lifestyle. Cause as Wheeler just said, I mean, you know, in this world, particularly in racing, I mean, you're just, you're on the road. It's what you do. Um, you know, the life is, yes, there's a lot of fun aspects of it. So I don't ever discount that or, or want people to think we're not grateful for that. But there's also a lot of crap. You know, there's a lot of not so fun things that you go through. Uh, canceled flights, sleeping in airports, you know, or sleeping, you know, in in uh, in in the front seat of a of a car, which done so many times and waking up just totally exhausted you know that was you you go through so many um i don't know my, my wife's calling me i don't know if it cut me off but you go through so many moments like that and um you know the kids gotta get used to that i mean at the end of the day you know i'm i'm not i know everybody thought i was gonna retire this year but that's not happening quite yet um and you know my kids so can i go ahead i know your eldest daughter is still too young but i can i go ahead and put in a request here graham two three years from now since we just had halloween i want to <laughs> see 1986 bob ray hall uh, uh red roof in budweiser fire so suit. The big, big round goggles <laughs> and the Bob mustache yeah. on her for Halloween. Come on. We literally, <laughs> no, we already talked about that yesterday. So, uh, yeah. So I think that that's, you, you may, you may see that actually, uh, <laughs> at some stage here. Cause I think, I think next year that could be our plan is, is, uh, is to try to make that work. So we'll see. Incidentally, I remember I got, Ray Hall's last ride, that sticker that was made in 98 when I first went to my first IndyCar race and I stuck that on my go-kart, Ray Hall's last ride. Oh, so you ride. should have kept that thing. Yeah. Still on that side pod or what? Oh, man, I don't know where the I... cart's gone, but the old Arrow, I'm sure you you remember those oh, yeah. carts, the Arrows. Yeah, Arrows were good, Aussie carts. Yeah, I still have Ray Hall's last ride. Graham, do you remember it was the they had the logo, then they had like the popsicle stick signs for all the fans, like little mini fans. That, yeah, I still have one in a box. Don't throw that away, buddy. <laughs> I'm gonna to sell it back thing. to you for your museum. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's amazing how much stuff I find on eBay these days. <laughs> my yeah. buddies, somebody <laughs> just found one of my buddies has found the most pristine. 1986 Indy 500 hat I've ever seen in my life. Oh, nice from the track. It's beautiful. So I, I've got uh, I've got a couple Ray Hall's last ride stickers, and I recently uh, within the last year, someone just an amazing person reached out and said, "Hey, I know that you love old racing press kits." And my dad was the media center guy at the Milwaukee Mile forever and ever. And he kept stacks and stacks of them. And he passed on, unfortunately. And uh, I don't know. I'm either going to throw them away, but if you want them, let me know. And I'm like, please. And so I, the guy sent me like seven boxes of press kits. I didn't know how many were coming. I was like, yeah, that'd be great. You know, but anyways, That's legitimately... Crazy. Uh, the stack is about as tall as you are, Graham. 
And in there, there are duplicates upon duplicates of uh, Bob Ray Hall, original <laughs> Ray Hall Hogan uh, racing press kits, and uh, some more after that. So I don't know how many of those you have, but I have them. I have zero. Yeah, I have on my mental bucket list that when I finally organize all of them, I'll set some aside for you because those are awesome. So have some of those. Bring it on over. I think the coolest Ray Hall memorabilia I've got, and I think Graham's seen it. I've got a friend who goes and he buys things at Goodwill and resells them on eBay. And he came to me about six years ago and he had the Bobby Ray Hall driving school, open face bell helmet from back in the, like, this was a school I'm assuming Graham was done at Mid-Ohio. Yeah. And you did show this to me. He had this helmet, so I, I bought it off him for 20 bucks. He, he spent $5 on it. And then at Indy, Bobby signed it. And that sits in my helmet collection along with the 30 other ones I've gotten over the years. And um, so that he thing, confirmed it's real? Yeah, he's like, oh, wow, I haven't seen this in 20 years, however long it had been. And was more than happy to throw his Herbie Hancock on it. And uh, <laughs> it's awesome. like, that thing's a gem. I, th- I honestly think it's sitting on in my helmet collection next to Bourdais' 100th Indy 500. And I want to say a guy named Jason McDougal who won three drillers at the Tulsa shootout in one night, which is a record. <laughs> it's sitting right there like top shelf. Uh, I didn't know Bourdais did 100 Indy 500s. Hey, he speaking of helmet collections, though, have your has your has your kid ever gone into your basement? I'm assuming you still have your mannequin collection and freaked out. Uh, no, the mannequins are not at the house. <laughs> they are not there. <laughs> That's a true. I the the mannequins. I started the mannequin thing because at every Indy 500, I wore you know whatever the gloves, the shoes, the suit, the helmet combination was. And then you forget after a while. Yeah, you write something inside of it or you try to do a COA deal, whatever. But after a while, it's like, man, this one kind of blends in with them. Well, maybe this is the suit. I, this helmet's for sure it, but I don't know about whatever. So I started these mannequins. Well, like five years, four years ago, I'm sitting at breakfast and I get a call from the alarm company. Like, oh, your alarm's going off. I'm like, well, that's kind of weird because nobody will be at my house. So... I'm like, yeah, I mean, send the police, I guess, whatever. So get back to my house as the police officer is walking out of the door. And he goes, yeah, man, you know, I I checked your house. Everything's good. He goes, but I got to tell you something. I pulled my gun on those damn mannequins downstairs. (laughs) He's like, like, you got to get rid of those things. I thought somebody was in your damn basement. You got to You got to put those things away. So after that. (laughs) <laughs> Which I set it down. I, I thought it'd be even better if you just shot a hole in the side of one of them or something. But uh, so after that, I took them over to the race shop and put them in there. But I don't, you know, in my rate in my house, I'm not, you know, I don't. There's not a lot of racing stuff. I don't. Uh, I'm not that guy. You know, I'm fortunate. Like you know, got some cool trophies and some different things from over the years. But you know, you got to find a way when you go home. It's, you know, it's not about me at home. It's about the rest of the family and everything else. And I think if you're personally, I feel like if I walk into a guy's house and he's got nothing but photos and helmets and shit of himself, that's a pretty self-centered individual. Well, and, your, uh, wife, your wife could also probably fill the house with all of her she's trophies got, and, we've got them. and achievements. I mean, you know, well, the trophies, tro- uh, 
trophies her dad because she won what 13 she i think she's 13 wallies it's a lot of wallies no i know it is plus some uh i want to say john has most of them um we i'm sure we've got some you know some somewhere uh but we actually do the only thing that we have of hers john's very much of a uh uh you know a hoarder of of everything and so the girls didn't get really a lot of their race worn stuff whatever so the one thing that we did take was uh was we 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 have Courtney's last helmet which is pretty cool. Um I think the only reason we have that is cuz we paid the bill for it to get painted not John. So I think maybe that's how we earn the ownership <laughs> of the of the helmet. Uh but that's the one thing that we have. But for sure, yeah. I mean, she's got a lot of cool stuff, a lot of cool photos, you know. I mean, those things photograph really well particularly at night and stuff with the flames and everything. So you know, it's definitely kind of cool, but neither of us really, you know, you go in our house, you know, you're not going to see much racing stuff kind of by design. I think it's just important you find a way to escape and kind of get away from it. But you, know, uh, you talk about having some of that stuff put away and, you know, limited amounts. Uh, you also mentioned Pat McAfee. One of my favorite clips he's done was with Matt Leinert. I know you're a Buckeye, but he had Leinert on and he asked Leinert one day where his Heisman Trophy was. Like, so is it like above your fireplace? You know, like there's not many things in sports more important than a Heisman Trophy. Yeah. And uh, he he was on a it was on a Zoom deal like he has his guests sometimes and he picked up his phone or his iPad, walked through the house, went into his closet, moved his wife's purse bags out of the way, dug deep in the corner and pulled the Heisman out. Yeah, and he's like, it may be one of the greatest achievements in all of sports, but it's literally buried behind boxes from whatever store in my closet in the far corner. Yeah. Well, and speaking of helmets, we should uh, say hello to our friend and your teammate, Graham, Jack the Baker Harvey, who I think still wins best helmet I've seen in a really long time with his uh, Star Wars inspired. Yeah, well, you know here. what? He won't give me one, so he's on my shit list. Yeah. Hey, he gets. Wait, you both get plenty of them a year from your helmet provider. Yeah, I know that Jay. for a fact, so you should both just trade. I, would, I told him I'd give him one. He won't give me one. So we can put him on the spot right now about well, when my helmet's coming. I don't I don't know if he's going to uh, accept the invite. Oh, he doesn't want to? Oh, he's just listening. Yeah. yeah. We've it's invited probably, him. Is it, it's, it's probably Gracie. It's probably not Jack. <laughs> well, to be honest with you, we'd all rather talk to Gracie anyway, I think. That's a fact. Hope, hopefully it's not the uh, – hopefully there are, there are no Marco Andretti helmet swaps. Marco being famous for doing – Helmet swaps for things that he claimed were race use that uh, never saw the light of day uh, in a motor race. So, but yeah, hey, I see Jack Harvey has accepted and so, like to speak. He's a talker. So, Marshall, I'm going to take this one because there was a time when my job was to approve their helmet budgets, and I know they both. <laughs> I know exactly what they both get a year. So, so Jack, wait, how many does Jack get? Less than you, but still a lot. Jack, when's my helmet coming? That is total BS. And you know it. For <laughs> one from you. Oh, yeah. Jack, I got I got plenty of helmets. What do you want? I'll give you one tomorrow. I, this year, all I had to do was make good to Rossi and Connor. And I've got plenty. Whatever you want, man. You just go in the truck and take it. I just say, wanted the Star Wars one, I think. The... Uh, I might just take one and see if you notice it. 
And then John do that. I, I literally won't. And well, you do know that. that. No, I'm going to go to the 15 minutes before the start of practice at St. Pete. That's <laughs> he, all I'm saying, Jack. He, I tell he, you, well, I'll notice then. But he he knows I pay so little attention to most things that I, I probably, he probably could steal it. And I'd have zero idea. So I'm going to stop tomorrow. And I'm just going to take one of each of yours. I think they're already gone, dude. Sorry. I think Brittany already stole them all out of the truck, so I'm not sure you're going to find anything. <laughs> I'll, just go, I'll just go see Packy then and just take a new one. That's all. It's yeah. All good. Yeah, your dad's got all of our helmets. <laughs> I, Jack, uh, how are you? <clears throat> oh, they're good, mate. How are you? Good, good. You, uh, you know the one thing, though? Graham is really good at. He always writes down what suit he's wearing for what session. And the first like weekend I saw him do this, I was like, "Dude, what are you doing?" But he does it consistently every weekend. Well, why? Why? That is bizarre, because, Ray Hall. Because here's the truth. This is why I don't <laughs> give anything away. It's a full Excel like sheet. Dude, I mean, <laughs> this no is way. legit. Yeah, this is legit. Why I don't give anything away? A bunch of years ago, I decided it was a good idea to sell at the end of the year, like. A bunch of stuff. And we're not going to name names of who it went to and all that sort of stuff. But it went. Next thing I know, shit's popping up on eBay left and right. Not for that much money. (laughs) But it's popping up. This guy comes to me and he claims, I have your mid-Ohio helmet. And I'm like, no, you don't. Yeah, I do. And right away, it starts this whole, like, cyclical, who's got what? What went to what, you know, and all this other crap. In the Justin Wilson auction, I get a bunch of helmets and shit, shit sent to my house from people from all over the world. Most of which has nothing to it. Nothing labeled, nothing at all. We go to auction. There's a bunch of stuff that sold and people didn't pay for it. So I, I paid for it just so that we didn't have a number adjusting. And Marsha, you were involved in all that stuff. I, just so the number was true to what we, what we sold. But one of the things I ended up with was a Jensen Button signed helmet. And I've always been, I like Jensen a lot, but I don't need a Jensen Button helmet to be honest with you. But I, I end up with this thing. I opened the helmet bag and in there was the C of A that was very specific about the sessions and, and you know when it was used and where it was used. And that's when I was like, damn, not that I'm Jensen Button, but I need to be keeping track of something. So that's how it all started. Now, I used to do it with like Nomex shirts and this and this and this. But I was going to say, don't tell me you're tracking. I, I use this left sock in qualifying yeah. at Texas. This pair of underwear. These were lucky. <laughs> you these do aren't. Boots, though, right? I do shoes. Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. I do track the, the boots. Seriously, the first time I'm, I'm there in the lounge getting changed and he pulls out this pen and he starts scribbling numbers down and i'm like dude what are you doing and he's like gotta keep track bro and i'm like oh okay so do you go in graham with like a sharpie and do serial numbers and stuff so you know can say i use sock 013 here like tell me about the process this is fascinating yeah, no i just write on it well so most of the suits well all the suits at least sparkle and stuff will come with you know, the last, it's basically like a serial number on each piece, but they're different. And normally the gloves are like two apart. So like, whatever, you know, whatever number it is, the, the right's going to be like two higher than the left. And so I just write those down and 
just put them next to the set, you know, on Friday, I use this on Saturday, this and Sunday, you know, whatever. And a lot of that though, too, is that for us and Jack was the same this year. I mean, how many suits did you have this year, Jack? Like three different color schemes and a few of each sponsors want them. People want them, you know, the team gives them away, whatever it may be. So for me, I want to know if it's race worn, I'm keeping it or I'm going to try. And so that's kind of where it started too, was to, to try to kind of know when they call me, go, oh, what do you, uh, we, we need to get a, 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 you know, United rental suit to send out. All right. Send serial number this, and it's never going to be a race horn suit. So that's, that's kind of my, that's my deal. That's, you are a phenomenal human being, Graham Rahal. You, next time I see you, I, you got to show me the spreadsheet because that, yeah. that, oh my gosh, that's amazing. I kind of so, feel like I dropped the we, ball, Marshall. Let's, about what? Well, I could have been, I could have been cata- like putting in category all my headsets over the years. Yeah. Belts, uh, air, special okay, color so, McLaren shoes. I mean, you could put all that stuff on, what is it, Poshmark? Is that the uh, the commercial that I bro? See? You don't I want to see Wheeler's my, McLaren stuff on Poshmark. If, if you don't think all my McLaren stuff already got dropped off to a guy with a massive store on eBay, you're crazy because that stuff got dropped <laughs> off the Wednesday after Laguna Seca. You sold it to, to Darren. There's no I'm, shot that that happened either. <laughs> I'm a big Mercari fan, to be fair. Uh, a big what? Mercari, you're falling apart on me there, Harvey. I love that. Yeah. I buy so much, like, I buy and sell Lego on that. Like, it's my day job. Yeah, you Lego? do like your Legos. Dude, I'll send you a picture of the one I bought the other day. It's pretty sweet. Wheeler, you were just telling me that uh, Connor Daly is full obsessive-compulsive on, what, Pokemon cards? Yeah, so, like, I'm that, really that deep. Fits. I'm that really fits. deep in the baseball card stuff, and... Connor and I somehow got talking about it and he showed me a just like literally a fraction of his collection on his phone. And I thought, Whoa. And he said, you know, Hey, I need to get a bunch of stuff graded and sent to PSA. Can you help me? I don't trust myself to do it. So I actually got him hooked up with the local, like the, there's two card shops in Indy and I got him hooked up with the good one. Um, and so he's, he's all set so he can get like, you know, he's got some gen one Pokemon cards, which it sounds crazy. Like I remember when they came out, I'm sure I had some weird kids. But some of those Gen 1 cards, if they're Gen Mint 10 right now, are worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. Like, there's a good chance one day Connor Daly's Pokemon collection will have more financial value than his IndyCar career. <laughs> more it- financially stable than Bitcoin. Is that what you're trying to tell me here, Wheeler? Not if you definitely, go to <laughs> Definitely in the last year. <laughs> yeah, that's the truth. <laughs> Jack, what else do you collect? Uh... Well, I'm still waiting for my Graham helmet. We already have chatted Jack, out. Jack, why uh, don't you tell everybody, forget about all this stuff. Why don't you tell everybody what your specialty, uh, people probably don't know this, but they've been sitting here and listening to us BS about racing if, forever and they're probably over it. Why don't you tell people how amazing of a baker you are? This dude is legit. Uh, people know about that, man. Legit, no, that's not, dude. That's, that's not a secret. <laughs> I don't think people here get how good you are. We can talk about that, but so, I'm just telling you right now, Jack's secret to success is to get me to eat about 400 cookies. <laughs> this year, I never got to wait, thanks to having Jack as a teammate. Well, Jack, uh, we're neighbors now. I'm in Carmel. I think we're like literally two miles away. So I'm ready 
to taste test literally anything you want to you want to bake. Dude, I, I do. I legit. do well. I do well when people like just say, "Hey, make this." Like the last time, I brought you over cookies. I brought actually my brownie was decent. I feel like we talk about baking a lot. Wheeler, actually, can got, you can you post what you I have made, for dinner? Can you put that up here for people to see? Because there's we, nothing there's nothing wrong with my dinner choice tonight. Oh, okay. Is that if, if you is that put Ritz that up, ketchup. You put that up for everyone to see. I believe it's all adults here in the room, and you let them make that call, young it man. Was, it was like Ritz and ketchup or something. <laughs> that was not ketchup. That is that is Ritz crackers and Saint Elmo sauce. Oh, sorry, 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 dinner. I got that wrong. This is a grown man's dinner. Well, it's at the top. If anybody, everybody scrolls to the top of our Twitter space, you can see my tweet with my crackers and my sauce. I had a little bit of uh, nasal congestion. First uh, off, that is an expert way to clear your nostrils right there. That is a pro move if you're a little congested. Yes. <laughs> and honestly, that's the best part of the St. Elmo's cocktail. Like, yeah, the shrimp's good. But man, a cracker with that sauce, is a, that's strong. It's a strong it's a, move. It's a pro move. And it's obviously not just a fat guy move because Graham is a world-class elite athlete and he agrees. <laughs> it's like it's like an adult like lunchable. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the adult lunchable is is a strong power play. Somebody that is... me and said that's Indiana charcuterie. You know, sometimes you're just like scrolling through Twitter and you see something that catches your eye, but it feels out of context and you don't know what it is, and, and your you eye starts tearing up. And I'm just well. looking at that, and I was like, "Wow, why has he got Ritz crackers with ketchup?" Then that's all my brain could like focus on because that's what I saw. Well, and if not, that's your definition I, of dinner, I'm not. I go to dinner with brownie. Benjamin. I'm not bringing my good brownie over if that's what you're gonna like serve. It's like if I bring brownies and you bring me crackers, I'm gonna be missed. <laughs> yeah, no, that's I'm a poor karma. Do you have because a to be fair, Graham on the grill is top notch. So between bringing dessert and like his like grilling, that's a good exchange. It is you, a very a, good combo. Yeah. That's a bad exchange. You've got ketchup, you've got Elmo sauce and crackers. Jack, you <laughs> grill? Uh, I actually, I made, I, I'll send it to you guys. I made a steak the first time ever at home the other day. And it turned out not bad. Because right now I don't have a grill, nor do I have a place to grill. However, if you provide the place for me to grill, I will grill you and cook you a phenomenal meal and you can do dessert. Okay. It just can't be here because I don't have a place to grill it. <laughs> Dude, I'm just telling you, make a small dinner because the dessert is worth it. Absolutely. Look, you don't want to make my mistake gonna... and like put some freaking brisket on a big green egg and eat so much meat, can't see straight. And then, then he brings out these delicious cookies and I, I can't. Man, I'm... I, can, I can only get through like five, not, we're not ten we're not, I want to eat. We're not going to get our own steaks each. I'm going to like cook two steaks for four people and we're going to share that stuff. There's there's nothing better than like the meat sweats comboed with like the sugar high. <laughs> I mean, pretty much like well, we'll that's do this, drug Jack. in itself, you know. I went to cake bake the other day for the first time. I thought it was great, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm hoping that you're better than them. Uh, he's better. That's a steep bar to like. He is better. That uh, wow. I believe I meat sweats. You- I believe Meat Sweats was also Jack's nickname when he was a stripper. So <laughs> that's a whole new product line. I, look, I'd buy adult Lunchables if it had Wheeler's face 
and Jack the Baker Harvey sign off on that. I would buy those. I wouldn't necessarily eat them, but I'd at least buy them. <laughs> and if I saw, you know, kind of a wandering dog, I, like, hey, I, buddy, I, come here. I feel at like every day, time I come on, I gain an, another bad nickname that what, people... Be, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if I want to be associated with the meat sweater. <laughs> it's, well, better than, it's better than what we called you in April. What was it, Marshall? Bean flicker? Uh, oh, yeah, Jack the oh, bean man, flicker. The bean Harvey. flicker. That's right. I, that was funny. You remember when someone sent in the um, the beer cans? They found beer cans, but yes. like, like bean flicker on them. Like, oh, it's that a great beer. Soon, yeah, it's, to my you know, immense surprise, the bean Graham, flicker is a wonderful beer. Graham gets nicknames like Hammer. You know, kind of cool things. Um, the bean meat. flicker or the meat sweater. I mean, like, <laughs> it's, it's tragic. The meat sweating bean flicker coming to a racetrack near you. Oh, that's a bad boy. combo <laughs> yeah I don't think that one's going to buff out Lads, honestly on that note I may, I may have to go and carry on with what I was doing before well you go flick those beans hard I was going to say uh, <laughs> love and, uh, oh boy uh, tell okay. Gracie we said hi yeah tell yeah, Gracie we all miss her I will see you lads see you bud we apologize uh, Wheeler. Marshall apologizes. Let's be clear. <laughs> Look, I mean, all that came, that whole bean flicker thing was courtesy of, uh, of him. Um, yeah. Talking about, anyways, uh, he's the one who kind of worked himself into that corner. And then so, our, fr- our friend Roger Work immortalized it in a sticker. So, so back, back to some, some, some things though, that are actually on topic. Graham, uh, your, your name and your, your program, you know, the whole Ray Hall Ledman Lennigan program came up the other day in a, in a business conversation I had. And somebody said, wow, can somebody explain to me how Ray Hall's organization went under the radar the last few years and has emerged as one of the top commercial juggernauts in the IndyCar paddock? And I, I took that as a massive compliment um, to the effort that not just you and, and Jack and you know, everybody involved on the driver's PR side, but also the front office and the sales and the commercial side, because I, that's a pretty big compliment to make when you're comparing it to, you know, the Ganassi's, uh, Pinsky's and McLaren's. Yeah. I mean, as far as the, on the commercial side, you're saying, I mean, yeah, just like kind of came out of like, obviously everybody's seen, you know, Graham likes Graham runs three or four primaries a year, this or that. But I mean, it's no secret to put together such a comprehensive list of big, programs um and partners the new shop like all the positive things growing that all happens when the unit is working as one well i think everybody you know the thing with us is i think everybody has a pretty solid um understanding of of each other and 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 what we need to do to move forward um you know as a team and and the aspects in which we need to be pushing hard um you know, as far as the areas that we need to go find the sponsorship and, and revenue and things that'll help. But at the same time, I think that we've been very fortunate that we, you know, we as a team focus really hard on, on overall, you know, ROI. It's in, and you know, that, that's not just on track success. You know, I mean, that, that is a complete package that is, that is everything. Obviously we want to win and we haven't done that. In a, in a, in a hand, in a few years for me. Um, and, and, you know, that needs to change in a hurry. Um, but to, to be, uh, 
you know, to help these companies get their ROI and, and to be complete, you know, as a team, I think it's, uh, there's a lot of off track stuff we do, whether it be the foundational work, whether it be, uh, you know, all the charity stuff, whether it be, um, you know, business opportunities, we have a lot of stuff that starts as, as basic sponsorship and can develop into so much more beyond that. Um, you know, we've been fortunate to connect a lot of good dots together. And, uh, I mean, I think about like fifth third bank, for instance, you know, that, that started as just a sponsorship, um, you know, and then from there it's evolved into a hell of a lot more than that. And, you know, we're excited. We announced this year, long-term extension with them, which is awesome. You know, you don't get that sort of stuff, you know, without the, without the results working all around. And so, you know, that's, that's been really good, obviously with United rentals and stuff like that, you know, clearly we, we'd like to see them at more tracks. Uh, we'd like to see, you know, when these tracks are being built, that's not, they, they are in the sport from a marketing perspective period, but when they're building St. Pete, there's no reason they're not using United rentals equipment. And most of the places are. Um, so I'm not saying they're not, but th- those are areas that are really, you know, important too, for them to start to see the revenue on the backside of it. Um, but I just think as a team, we're really good at kind of putting all those pieces together, you know, working in, in, in a very united way in, in our mindsets, um, and how we go about it, whether it be Knox, you know, on the sales side, whether it be dad, whether it be Mike, uh, you know, me, uh, Kevin, all the staff that's kind of underneath, but even like today, you saw a story about Ryan Harbor, my trainer, um, you know, who's, who's come over and I say 12 months to work. Uh, with our race team specifically, instead of being at uh, um, St. Vincent Sports Performance prior to that. But even like Harbs, like Harbs knows like, hey, what do we need to be better? Oh, we need a sauna. You know, we need, we need a, you know, an infrared sauna. It's going to do this, this, and this for the recovery of the mechanics after a race weekend. We need uh, these machines. We need scratch labs to be, you know, giving us, uh, you know, all of the, the drinks and all of the protein packs and stuff and, and the bars and stuff. All of those things, having everybody that has that same mindset to what's going to improve the team, push it forward, but also can give these companies value is really important. And I don't think that a lot of teams think that way. I think, you know, for most teams, you have a sponsor guy or gal that's going out there pushing hard each and every day, but that doesn't necessarily equal what it needs to on down the road. Um, We just try to be pretty well-rounded in that regard and try to be forward thinking, you know, we, we do, you know, we have been very fortunate, you know, with, with friends and, and things like that. You never know. You use Hy-Vee for an example. Hy-Vee started with a family friend of ours. who has been a family friend for 20 years. Um, he does all the packaging and, and sells them their, their, uh, you know, private labeled juices, like orange juice. And he's the one who paid for Hy-Vee to be on the car in 20 what was it 2020 uh and that's where all of this kind of began you know we never thought that we would get to this stage uh you know with with high v but there we were uh they're on the car we finish on the podium in the second race and you know that was a huge deal and that kind of made the rest of this go go around well you never know how that's going to start or where that's going to start but now it's our job to keep it going um, and uh, and do the best that we can for them. So, 
there's a lot of pieces that go into that puzzle wheeler i mean you guys know and everybody listening knows that too it's not it's not just one thing but um i think we as a team take a really good approach to it i think me as a driver it's just it's you know it's it changed a lot for me you know in 2000 and uh what was it 2010 and I know the yeah. perception often is, oh, you know, he's just a silver spooner and doesn't do a thing and sits on his ass. I mean, you know, I read all this stuff all the time. But ultimately, the truth of the matter is, you know, if there's one thing that I've been gifted with in life, it's it's work ethic. Um, I will outwork anybody. Uh, ask any of my employees. I drive them nuts. 11 o'clock on a Saturday night, I'm responding to, to paint protection leads on my computer because I haven't seen an employee haven't seen a sales guy do it in 30 minutes. I mean, it's 11 at night, but that's just not the way I'm programmed. You know, we work 24 seven. And in 2010, I was, uh, you know, I was, you know, the new house thing fell apart and I went on the road, uh, drove all around the country, pitching sponsors and, uh, drove up to Minnesota to meet with Buffalo wild wings. It was freezing freaking cold. It was the coldest I've ever been in my entire life. And, uh, that was a great. Sarah Fisher Racing, yeah. finest driver that, back then. That was a huge lesson, though, to me was just what it takes, what what it takes behind the scenes, and to listen and learn their lingo. I met with, man, I don't even know. I probably legitimately met with seventy five companies that year, from all over the country, and trying to put B two Bs together, doing all this crazy stuff. But you learn their lingo and you learn what's important to them and if there's anything i can pass along to younger drivers it is to think that way i don't care if you are and i think james said it and he's right that the younger generation is coming in much more prepared than i was or much more prepared than anybody else that i had seen guys like pato guys like colton you know, the laps, the races, the, all of the things that they are doing nowadays to get up to speed. It's happening in a much quicker and pace than when, you know, than when I was sort of uh, getting going. But people need to understand, I don't care if you are the next coming of Senna, Colton Herta, your Pato, your Alex Palou, who... I, you know, Alex Pillow is who I, I think, as far as a young driver, is the best young driver out there. Obviously, he's already a champion, but uh, the guy is not only fast, but has just tremendous racecraft as well. Very rarely makes mistakes. I mean, just exceptionally talented. I don't care if you're that guy or who you are. If you don't understand the back end of the business, it isn't going to last. I'll guarantee you that right now. It isn't going to last. The days of you know, Target coming in and spending the money they did and doing all those things. And it lasted 20 years. Those days, those days, I don't care if it's NASCAR, IndyCar, Formula One, whatever, those days are gone. And you have to find a way to differentiate yourself and separate yourself from the rest. Now, this also relates to the series and the series needs to do that as well. But that's a different topic. We don't need to really get into on this call. Uh, I'd, <laughs> I'd even I'd even say Graham. I mean, Chris mentioned Ganassi and some others. I would say RLL and Aaron McLaren SP are the two clear leaders when it comes to their uh, business development, B two B, straight sponsors. Uh, every other team has weaknesses in some capacity. Ganassi is one of them. They're finances have been a little bit shaky in the wake of Jimmy leaving. 
uh, NTT leaving Roger well, and his team. You end up seeing some, you know, him coming out of pocket with some of his companies. I'm not picking on them. I'm just saying your team specifically and the uh, the McLaren side are really the two biggest standouts in the IndyCar paddock for having uh, just uh, business programs that are amazing. Well, you know, here here's the thing, though. You know, you've got somebody like Zach Brown, obviously, uh, at, uh, at McLaren, who who is a tremendous business mind, sponsor mind. That's a very valuable thing. You know, but you also, in my dad and in Mike Lanigan in particular, have um, a couple individuals who are so business savvy on our side. You know, I mean, you don't create from the ground up like Mike Lanigan has done. I don't even know what Mike's worth. It's none of my business. He's my hero. He doesn't act like he's got a penny to his name and he's got plenty, but he's a self-made man. Um, and that doesn't happen by luck. That doesn't happen by anything other than going out there, working hard, Southside Chicago guy, grew up pretty tough area of the world. And you've got guys on our team that are really business savvy, that understand what it takes to. Zach gets what it takes to do this, right? I think with, with you know, McLaren, you're seeing with NTT data, for instance, you know, leaving Ganassi. I mean, that's a bit of a shock, I think, to a lot of people. For those of us in the know, the rumor had been going around for a while that, that, that they were maybe looking elsewhere. You know, they end up going to McLaren. That's not by coincidence. I think there's business opportunity there. There's also a great uh, sponsorship, um, you know, support staff and everything else that they've got there. And ultimately, pretty good opportunity for success. You know, I have been fortunate to race for a variety of teams. I've raced for Ganassi. I know what it's like there. Now, I was there in the G2 days when we probably weren't even really allowed in the big shop uh, or rarely were uh, compared to what it is now where it's all in one roof. So maybe it was slightly different in my time. I raced for Penske on the sports car side. That was clearly way different because there really wasn't a lot of sponsorship in that. It was very much, you know, Acura funded and so on and so forth. But my point is I have seen some of the ways teams work. And that's been a valuable to me too, because you you learn and you can you can figure these things out and you can grow in that regard. But I do think, you know, we are fortunate uh, to have some super business savvy, smart guys, you know, running the team. And we are also fortunate to have guys, you know, like, like Knox, who, um, you know, just put their freaking heads down and work hard. That's a big part of this. I, you know, I don't care what your name is. I, I really don't. I don't care who you are. If you don't, if you don't work hard, you're not going to get there. It's not going to work. And, and that, and I'm saying that as a, as a team owner, you know, I don't care what your accolades are and everything else. The accolades may open the door, but the rest is what will complete the deal. And that's, that's the thing. And you got guys like Knox on our team and, you know, the guy is not afraid to call. He will call anybody and everybody and he will work 24 seven. And that's what you need to be successful. It's not easy out there. The sports landscape that, you know, everybody's calling everybody. You better believe when we announced high V, Every single sporting league in the United States called them if they weren't already in contact. NASCAR, you guys saw them on the NASCAR cars. You know, NASCAR right away sees, oh man, high V is an Indy car. Well, we better call them. Uh, you know, that's it is a competitive world. 
And that's the that's what you have to fend off at all times. And so what makes you different than everybody else? <clears throat> Ultimately, that's the goal. Um, I think United Rentals is a perfect case. We built such a strong relationship with them. But what all do we do with United Rentals? Yeah, we'd like to have one more with United Rentals. But people probably don't know. We've, we've also raised over $2 million for our veterans with United Rentals. I mean, nobody else in the series has done that. And nobody else in the series has even gotten close to doing that. Nobody. And so you build a platform that's well beyond just going out and, and turning laps on a racetrack and all the other things it can do. And that creates a lot of connection, you know, to, to United Rentals corporately. You know, me, people see my name, my face. They associate me with United Rentals. That has so much value. And that's what I think our team is good at doing. That's what I think McLaren is, you know, is, is, is doing a great job at, um, you know, for many years, you looked at Ganassi, you know, with target, I mean, Dixie was the guy, right? I mean, yeah, Dario came in and other guys too, but Dixie was there with target forever. And you associate those names, things kind of change over time, but I think we've been fortunate to kind of create that time and keep it going. Amen. Amen, brother. Two quick notes. Uh, Graham talking about the charitable, endeavors uh he and his wife happen to do the team is also very active in graham and i did an interview i don't know what was that man a week or two ago uh, about that topic so i'll get that spooled up probably saving that for thanksgiving week just because it fits um but yeah that, that's you you as an individual uh, are by far the leader in indycar on that front of doing amazing things for others and uh, coming from a, a true and right place inside you. The second thing to mention uh, is our pal Cassie here. If you take a look at her Twitter feed, if you don't follow her, please do. It's at mama underscore G-Force. She's going to have a really cool thing that she's going to share uh, on social media tomorrow. And Graham, I might tag you on that and ask you to help with uh, some retweets there. And it falls into that same charitable vein. And she and a really amazing group of folks who have blessed my wife and I just with their presence and benevolence uh, started something last year around uh, Christmas time. And here's Cassie once again and uh, some great folks doing it uh, to try to go even bigger. So anyways, big, big love well, and passion for all the uh, the charity work that gets done here in our community. Marshall, while we're on that, Graham, I'm just telling you, I, I think it's the year. I think the hashtag racing family group is going to have to have a team in the in your uh, foundation uh, golf outing. <laughs> Get out the checkbook, baby. Well, you see, you see, <laughs> we're going to have to negotiate this. <laughs> oh, hey, it's for charity. It's not for me. <laughs> it's not for me. I think this is the year. Oh, man. Well, let's let's just say if you write that check, Wheeler, and then I see a tweet from Ray Hal, hey, I just bought a third old Indy car of mine. I might have some questions for you. Yeah, no, anyways, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not uh, buying anymore. In fact, I I probably shouldn't, but I'm going to out him that my future business partner is listening on this call on this deal, and I just I'm just spotting his name, Mister Young Mister Lanigan, on here. Yeah, so yeah. I just all, all, I just noticed. Oh, oh. Just said in jest, Graham hasn't bought anything. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, right, we like- I, I'm not talking about that. He, luckily, Pat, Patty and I were texting. I was in the hospital with my, my daughter had RSV. So it was a little bit of a, a rough, uh, a little bit of a rough patch. And uh, 
luckily Pat didn't bid against me. Although I got suspicious there for a minute because yeah. he was like, which cars do you want? What do you want? You know, we were kind of going back and forth. And then um, in the meantime, again, I probably shouldn't even say this, but the auction house is texting me, just go to this number, just go to this number and, and you know, and then, and, and just do the knockout blow. And I'm like, absolutely not. But sure enough, every single time I would bid, like going once, going twice, oh, we got more money. And what number did I end up buying it for? Exactly the number that the guy at the auction house texted me. I was like, is this rigged? Is this Wait, rigged? I know that game. I, think I was like, what the hell is on going here? on? But that, whatever. That, was it 2020? Yeah, 2020, you and I were actually standing in the garage area Thursday at St. Pete when the whole world shut down. And you said they just canceled NHRA. And I said, dude, they just canceled NBA. And that, like, two days later, I flew on that Saturday to Mecham to sell uh, – it was supposed to be just me to sell Borde's yeah, Ford. Ford. And Seb, because we weren't racing, decided to fly with me. And the three of us stood on the stage with Mecham on the live show and literally trying to negotiate the sell of this car. And, and twice I told Mecham, nope, we'll take it back to Florida. And Sebastian looked at me like, bro, this isn't your money. But yeah. it's funny. It's funny how when you set when there's a hard line set and you stand on it in these situations, how oh look at this, another online bidder just came thirty seconds after he scratched his nose. Yeah, exactly. I it, well, I know. Yeah, we well, we should also give love and appreciation to young Pat Lanigan, Dad Mike, and their entire family. Just on the topic of charity and giving, like again, it's just. There's so many great people that we know and who make our lives so much better and other people's lives better through their uh, charitable work. Mr. Wheeler, you are the official closer of the Hashtag Racing Family Show. I think we're going to have to say uh, we appreciate you, Bernard. Normally we go to you with a closing question, but I think we're just going to stay clean this week and stick with our guests. So, Mr. Wheeler, I'm hitting the, uh, the mute button here. Take us home, brother man. Well, everybody, once again, it's that time of our evening here with the Hashtag Racing Family Show. We're going to look and say thank you to our partners. Of course, the Justice Brothers, TorontoMotorsports.com, and our dear friends at Cooper Tires. Speaking of giving thanks, it's that time of year. Don't forget, reach out to your friends, reach out to your loved ones, make sure they're good. Make sure they're, everything is well in their life, or at least the best that it can be. You never know when that one phone call is going to change somebody's day. That change day could change a month, could change a life. On that note, as I look back at our time together, I think it's been very clear. Throughout life, things are going to change. Never be afraid to step out and redirect that trajectory. Never be afraid to take that chance to build a better future. Never think too far. You're, you can never think too far outside the box on ways to help you and help the, those around you. Um, as we all know, for being here on the Racing Family Show every week, life is actually not that difficult. Graham Rahal may have made a point tonight that as long as you work hard, good things will come to you. But I'm going to stick also with our standardized answer to this. Life's not that difficult. Just don't be a dick. That's all we ask. Well, for my esteemed co-host, Marshall Pruitt, for our awesome guest, Mr. James Davidson and Graham Rahal, I'm Chris Wheeler. I want to thank you for joining the Hashtag Racing Family Show, and we will see you down the road. <laughs>